With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, good morning. Thanks so much for joining me. It's Monday, December 7th. Incredibly. Monday, December 7th. Thanks so much. This is Down to Earth. We're talking about the issues that matter. And today on our show, we're going right, diving right into it. We're talking about insurance and how COVID survivors, survivors of COVID-19, the coronavirus, the Trump virus, are unable to get life insurance after the diagnosis. That's kind of like systemic. That's kind of like unbelievable. But I want to read to you an article that is on Bloomberg.com that talks about how the life insurance compact, which is an agreement of all the states that provide life insurance and the life insurance carriers or insurers who are in those states who submitted a request in March to have, when the rest of us were still reeling from trying to understand COVID, they submitted a request to have their questions modified to include if you survive COVID or if you've tested positive for COVID that you will not be getting life insurance. And this was approved under the Trump administration And I'm afraid there's nothing much that anybody can do about it. I just find it incredible. So the COVID-19 pandemic was barely underway in March, and yet insurance companies thought enough of themselves to protect themselves, to to have insurance questions modified, to ask the question, if you have been exposed to COVID or if you've tested positive for COVID, that you will not still be sold new policies to. Imagine that. Insurance companies started wrestling with the idea, started contemplating that if people tested positive for COVID, how exposed they were going to be. So everybody then knew that this was going to be way off the Richter scale. Everybody knew that this was going to be outlandish and that this was going to not just be paranoia. I suspect in the months to come, when people really realize how many of us, how many people have been exposed, How many people have died right now? It's at 283,000. Just a few months ago, it was 180,000. It was unbelievable that it could get to 283,000. Now we are almost closer to 300,000 people having died. And when you look at it, now here's what they say. Uh, The Delaware Department of Insurance started seeing it in June where The questions were modified by insurance companies to ask if people had tested positive. Companies filed requests to change their application forms to specifically ask applicants if they have tested for the coronavirus. The Interstate Insurance Product Regulation Commission, I'm going to say that one more time, the Interstate Insurance Product Regulation Commission uses a uniform set of standards to regulate insurance policies for 44 states, including the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. Approved 32 requests since March. It's known as the Insurance Compact. Millions of people who survive COVID-19 are not going to be 
able to access life insurance. Here's the thing. They knew this from March that people who have survived COVID are going to be left with lifelong medical issues such as heart, kidney, and lung damage. That's the long-term effects of getting COVID. Do you see now why most of us don't even want it? Nobody wants to get it. It's going to impact your heart. So if you're a runner or you work out, you're going to have issues. It's going to impact your lungs. So you're going to end up with emphysema and other pulmonary issues. And it's going to impact your kidneys and the way our bodies work and function. Even if you have been asymptomatic, it still does not matter. Even if you had a mild case of it or you were asymptomatic. Now, they don't know about mortality. They don't know how long after you've had COVID, how long you will live if you have survived it. Personally, as far as I am concerned, I don't want to get it. So it left life insurance companies. What, how life insurance works is that they collect all the data. This is why it's important. Uh, this is why they collect data. So they collect data on longevity. They collect data on certain parts of the population that are exposed to certain kinds of diseases and what they call comorbidities, which are the things that kill everybody off. So they look at the data and say people within a 44 of a certain ethnicity, within an age group of, say, 34 to 45, those people are least likely to have high blood pressure, diabetes, and so on. So they adjust insurance rates. It's called actuarism. That's what an actuary does. They look at the data and they say, okay, people within this range are least likely to have any kind of disease that will make them die off uh, quicker. The reason they do that is because life insurance companies are not in the business of making payouts. They're in the business of making money. So when they collect your premiums, their intention is not to pay it out. That's why when someone dies, you go through this whole hoop to get, to get, <laughs> to get the check. It's because they investigate. Did they really die from natural causes? Did they die in a hospital? Did they die at home? What caused it? And so on. So they do this whole slew. The, the insurance companies are better at investigating than the FBI. <laughs> and that's the truth. They investigate, investigate to make sure that they're not losing money. So they collect all this data. And then they determine to determine how much they're going to charge and how what they call to, how limited their exposure is. They want to limit their exposure because having co offering you coverage is tantamount to a payout, right? So I've worked in life insurance uh, for many years in commercial life insurance, property, and so on, not life, but the same principle applies, right? So insurance companies are not in the business of paying money out. They're in the business of what? Making money. So they collect all the data and they say, well, people within this group of people, within this age group and this ethnicity are least likely to die. So they charge you rates based on that. Now, having done that, once they have charged you the rates, then they don't want you to die because they obviously don't want to pay other money. So they knew from looking at the coronavirus from March that people would die. And they also knew that if someone buys life insurance, like somebody buys life insurance and then all of a sudden they test positive for the coronavirus, at the time, it looks like people were going to die immediately. At that time, before we learned to, you know, that we could treat it, it's a lung disease primarily, that you could treat it and so on and intubate people and so on. They were looking at the facts 
And they were already determining they don't want to be exposed like that. And so they had a meeting. And they submitted this request that they can now ask if you have survived uh, COVID on a life insurance policy. And they're not going to give you life insurance. Isn't that crazy? Because now they know. Because they knew then that people who have survived COVID end up with lifelong issues of heart, kidney, and and lung situations and lung and lung conditions. That's mind blowing to me, because it means that somebody else had the data and did not share that data with the public. Somebody else knew this and didn't tell the public as best as possible. Wear a mask, stay social distanced, stay away from everybody because once you get it, it's it's over. Now, we don't know at this juncture. We don't know how long people survive having survived COVID. We don't know that yet. I suspect in the next two to three years, we will find a rash of people dying from heart, kidney, and lung. The effects are going to be long-term. We don't know how the mortality rates will look. But what we do know at this point is that insurance companies knew, and they took steps to limit their exposure and to avoid paying out. That's the most incredible thing to me. It's it's not fair because obviously, 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 none of us caused COVID-19 on ourselves. We didn't import this virus. We didn't do anything here to cause this virus, but yet we're going to pay for it. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about this. Insurance companies, they do this all the time. They did it after the AIDS virus. Anybody remembers? I was a kid, but they did it after the AIDS virus. They did it after Ebola. And insurance and group life, they can't add riders to their policies to pay out benefits if someone dies of an illness like COVID-19. That was the compact. So they can't add a rider. So let's say, you know what a rider is? A rider is an amendment to the current policy, right? They call it a rider. You include a, a provision in it, and they're, they're, they can't do that. Hey, Eric, good morning. So COVID-19 is now considered a pre-existing condition. Absolutely. I said that months ago, right? COVID-19 is going to be a pre-existing com- condition. And here we are. The public is, is, is royalist crew. So insurance companies are going to protect themselves. One of the things that I am kind of a little fearful of going forward is that to get a job in the future, they're going to ask if you tested positive for coronavirus. I feel like that's coming next. And even though we might have laws that says that covers HIPAA, you know, that, that those laws that say you can't, you don't have to disclose your protected health information, I think employers are going to say that. My daughter was uh, was in a group where she was exposed at work. The person working right next to her in the same office got COVID, and she was exposed to it. And the employer required that she had to do two uh, tests on return to work. Two, two negative tests. Okay. What we found was interesting that the insurance carriers don't, after they have paid for an initial test, it's kind of a work to get them to pay for another test within a 30-day period. They don't offer unlimited COVID testing. Most people were paying $125 for the the rapid test. Here's something else we learned too, that the rapid tests are not what predictive and as accurate 
as the three to five day period. If you've ever been through the process, waiting three to five days to get the results back. The rapid test is not as effective. This is why they tell you when you do get tested, you should really go back and get tested again because you could very well test negative today and seven to 10 days from now, you could test positive because the rapid test that is administered is not a clear indicator of whether you've contracted it or not. That is if you feel like you've been exposed. That is if you went out to eat at a restaurant or you were around people whom you normally don't socialize with, the people who don't live in your own home with you. I kid you not. This thing is remarkable in in its effect on our lives. It's so penetrative. And it's also, it also speaks a lot to our own processes as as a person. You know, uh, I didn't associate for Thanksgiving because they said not to. Not because I'm following, I'm a follower, but because I felt that it was not prudent to gather with people whose germs I'm not used to. So typically for Thanksgiving, everybody goes, you know, you go hang out with your family and so on. And it's what Thanksgiving is about, the coming together of everyone, of, and especially of family. But we couldn't do that this year. And I decided not to. I said, no, I only want to be in close contact with the people in my household whose germs I'm used to already. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's ridiculous to go to a restaurant and wear a mask and then take the mask off. Does that make sense? No. Take the mask off to eat. I'm eating the germs just the same from all the people who have taken their masks off who are eating and talking. It makes no sense, right? It's either we're going to control the virus or not because the long-term effects, if people are going to emerge from coronavirus with the long-term effects of CART, your primary organs, listen to that. Your primary organs, your heart, you need that to pump blood so you can live. You need your kidneys to process functions in your body and your lung for you to breathe through. If the coronavirus is going to affect the three major organs, my goodness, we have a problem. How was this not something that everyone needed to look at? How was this not something for people to look at and say, you know something, I think we have a problem. And the fact that insurance companies are always nefarious in their intentions, right? They're always nefarious about how they collect. They're more scurrilous about collecting data than anybody else I know. They they are data fiends. They will just collect all the data. They can tell you down to what zip code and this sub uh, connects within a zip code better than the insurance college can, right? They can tell you who has what disease. They can tell you per capita in every zip code who has. This is why when some of us apply for insurances, you come back and they say, well, you'll only pay $7 a month, and then you get a bill, and it's $25 a month, and you're like, what? That's because the exposure is high. I believe that with all these things we're doing about 23andMe.com and finding your DNA and so on, all you're doing is giving them more data to mine. You're giving up more to giving up your own autonomy. You're giving them more uh, information for them to go into Ancestry.com, see who you are related to and who died from a heart attack. So chances of you dropping from a heart attack at 40 or 45 are greater. So hell, you're not going to get insurance. And two, if you get it, your rates will be astronomical because we're giving them more and more information to work with. You see what I mean? Because we're submitting to them randomly. I mean, they already have access to our health data They don't let us know that they have. This is why when you submit it, some of us, 
Like if you're the key man at your insurance company, they send you for a physical. Well, that's kind of a nice way to say you kind of are giving us access to your information. They already have it. Your name, your social security number, and your date of birth. They all did. That's all they need. They already have a profile, a medical profile on you. So they already know who you are. And now you're giving them options to find out who you're related to. So you're gonna, they're going to find out that your granddad dropped dead at 45 from a heart attack. But here you are, 35, trying to get life insurance coverage. Good job. You see what I'm saying? So insurance companies were, are always in the business of protecting themselves from exposure because they do not want to pay out money. The problem is the COVID-19 virus is widespread in its application. It's not confined to one area of the country. It's not five people who got it. It's not 10 people who got it. It's not even 10,000. It's almost 300,000 people who have died. If 300,000 people have died, multiply that by 10 because we infect up to 10 persons. Guess what? It's almost 30 million people who have been exposed. That's a wide swath of the population, and that's what the insurance companies are looking at. I suspect going forward that we are going to, they're going to ask more questions, and it's not going to just be the insurance companies. Expect that in 2021, 2022, immediately thereafter, they are going to ask us for more information. Have you been exposed? Has anyone in your household, in your family, tested positive for coronavirus? It's amazing uh, now that we, whilst people are not dying as much as it was earlier because we have become smarter at detecting and we have become smarter at, uh, at diagnosing and treating, so people are not dying. But what we are doing now is we are seeing more cases of it. And seeing more cases of it means uh, that we, are, we, we really are seeing more people who are becoming more and more exposed to it. It's, it, it. it's just amazing to me how, how we, we kind of got here. You know, when you look at it, how did we get here? Well, we got here because we were careless. Even, if, even when the president didn't think it was important enough to shut the country down or to talk to the country about it because he was in denial, he wanted business to go on because he had his own self-interest. If people weren't traveling, they wouldn't be staying in his hotels. They wouldn't be golfing at his hotels and so on. Even with that, when we, the individual, realized the impacts that it would have on our lives, we should have taken control. But my children like to say, how much control do we like? To, we really have. Mom, we have to go to work. We, we have to. We don't have control over how we work. We don't have control over what we do. We just have to go. So when the president did not make the order that this was an emergency, then it gave companies the right to say, well, you have to come to work. So people went to work and were exposed. And when the president said there is no virus, then you didn't have to wear a mask. Then he framed it in such a way that wearing a mask was a denial of your freedom. I know people are very sick in Nebraska, in North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, all over the country. It's very distressing. It, this is the coronavirus is a modern day plague. I've said that before. I said that from the beginning of this thing from back in February, that this is a modern day plague. 
And it's important for us to realize that because now we realize, uh, uh, and now we realize that we are in trouble. We're in massive trouble. We're in massive trouble because now we recognize that we don't have anything to claim. We're in so much trouble right now that going forward, it's not just insurance companies that we have to worry about. We have to worry about what happens next. My goodness. It is the craziest thing I have ever seen. And I don't think that we're in the midst of fighting it right now and trying to find ways to control it so that the effect on our systems will will not be pervasive. But my friends, let's be clear. We have a problem. We're going to have issues going forward. And I think those issues are going not going to be just confined to insurance. I think those issues are going to be confined to people's longevity. So people are going to die and people are not, we're not going to have any recompense. Our family members are going to develop illnesses later on, and then we won't be able to, they won't be able to leave us a legacy if it is proven that they died from something related to the coronavirus. Are we listening? These are the facts. The facts are shocking. They're hurtful. But it is what it is. How can we ever, how are we ever going to move forward? It's something that, frankly, we're just going to have to put one foot in front of the other and hope for the best. I agree. I, 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 I can't say anything else. Because how else can we, what else can we do? This is a modern plague. It, it seems to me that when we talk about plagues, we like to categorize them as only biblical events. But we've had plagues before, after the Bible was written. Let's just be clear. The Bible was, the modern Bible that we use today was rewritten in 1611, right? The King James Version, okay? Well, since 1611, we've had many plagues. We've had the bubonic plague. We've had all sorts of plagues passing through Europe. The most recent one in North America was the flu epidemic of of, uh, the influenza virus of 1918, We haven't had one since. We've had other viruses in other parts of the world. We had the polio virus. There was the chicken pox, mumps, rubella, uh, the MMR viruses. We had those on a smaller scale. So anything that affects a a large swath of the population is, 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 is a plague. But this one, the coronavirus, this was national mass debts, and then after this, what will happen to people? So you'll have a weakened heart, a weakened lung, and weakened kidney. And guess what? At first when it started, they told us that it wasn't going to affect young people. It was mostly affecting seniors. So we said, we got to protect our parents and grandparents, right? But when it affects young people, that's what we need to focus on because who is going to, how is our population going to shape out? If people over 45 in three years start dropping, people in their 50s start dropping from the long-term effects of coronavirus three years old. I give it three years. 
In a matter of years, we're going to see a sharp decline in people's longevity simply because of exposure to the coronavirus. That's why when I see people rallying and demonstrating and saying they're not wearing a mask, I'm like, "Uh go on, you're shortening your life if that's what you want. You believe so much in what you believe in that you want to shorten your life. Go on, because you're going to hurt yourself eventually. And we have to, we, we, we come to this place uh, because we are unaware, we're kind of oblivious because we choose to be. Not because the information isn't there, but we choose not to believe in it. And I just want to say that uh, this is shocking and, and, and absolutely out of, just simply out of control because now we don't know exactly what is what, what is going to happen. It's it's it, it's quite the impact to the to the mind that is going to drive us. After this is over, when we emerge from this, because right now we are fight or flight, right? We're trying to fight it. We're trying to put every tool to it, all sorts of tools. We're trying to use political tools. We're trying to use medical tools. We're trying to do everything we can to fight it right now. So we're in the fight or flight stage of it. It's called survival mode. How do you survive? Put on a mask. Wash your hands frequently. Change your clothes when you come home. Don't so, don't meet with other people who are not in your household. Trying to fight it, right? Okay. So when this is over and we say, okay, we have stabilized it. People are, the rates of infection are down. Uh, we can tentatively, slowly get back to, to life. What's going to happen? That's the real issue. You see what I mean? What's going to happen? Because now we realize that uh, there is a lot more at stake people's health than their long-term health, their long-term uh, situations. We've got to get to the stage, folks. Uh, I'm afraid that there is a coming, and there's a coming to Jesus moment for all of us where we're going to have to confront ourselves. And we're going to have to start stepping up and making demands. We're going to have to become more aware of how our systems of government work. If there's a regulatory body that oversees insurance companies and their ability to ask intrusive questions, somebody from the public needs to start saying, hey, that's not fair. You can't ask questions about that. That was a pandemic. This happened because it was a pandemic. It's not fair. Some, we're going to have to change that to protect the public. It can't always be that the only people who win are the people with money. The people with money who own insurance companies who want to make sure they continue operating at profits. I'm not talking about just profit. I'm talking about huge profits as the way the lives of people are at risk. We've got to get to the stage where we start thinking beyond that. We've got to start getting to the stage where we start stepping up and saying, you know something, this is not good enough. Somebody needs to regulate the regulator. The regulator needs to be regulated. We can't just have people who just think that they can do that. Do you see what I'm saying? It, it, it's the craziest thing I have, I, I, I have heard. And so as we come to this place, we, we need to be able to say, that this is uh, this is uh, the way that we we need to go, and we need to find out what we have done. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Just crazy. Oh my goodness! I can't begin to tell you how I I felt when I read this article personally for me. 
for all of us. I mean, I was I was just as confused. I was just as I was just as upset that this could even have happened. The, the, the wanton disregard for my life and your life, the wanton disregard of saying you're insignificant, you don't matter, that I am the insurer, I own all the money, so and I control the government who's supposed to control me. That's the implicit message. That's the implied messaging, that they control the government and the regulatory bodies that regulate their activities. So you and I, as members of the public, have no say in how our government works, in how our government regulatory agencies are overseen. There is no oversight because we're not involved. If we did not have a say in how this insurance business was enacted and how the insurance companies were able to come up with this grand idea that they could ask questions about COVID-19 and deny people coverage, then where do you really have a say in the government? Government of the people, by the people? Seriously? Did you know that this was taking place? I didn't. Nobody knew this was taking place except the people who have vested interest in it and the people who are the regulators, the regulators who probably, I don't want to say they were influenced, but they were unduly influenced to make this not happen. I have issues with that. I have issues with that. We need to we need to ask questions. This is something that we need to start. I mean, I've been saying it for years. If your uh, representatives have a Facebook page, go on their Facebook page and make noise. Ask questions. Don't just hand over your vote to people. Ask questions. What do you believe in? What is going on? Why has this happened? Because all of these decisions are being made without our input. And because it's being made without our input, we don't have any control. We have no say. We're not represented. I've been saying this for years. If you don't have a seat at the table, we don't have any influence on the decisions that are made that impact our everyday life. Sad, isn't it? Sad. COVID-19 survivors being denied insurance coverage. This is Harriet Kimmick with Down to Earth. This is as down to earth as I can get. Seriously. Join me again on another episode of Down to Earth as we continue to talk about the issues that matter. Thanks so much. It's Monday. Happy Monday. Be blessed. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.